there are millions of potential investors around the world with both the willingness and the investable capital to invest in the commercialization of high growth companies, but have up until now been unable to participate. So our view is that, and the data is clear, it's not the, it's not the lack of capital that's the issue, but the lack of an efficient connection between investors and founders, that is the real challenge. Uh, welcome to the Fincia podcast. I'm delighted today to have Steve Marbani of Venture Crowd, a founder of Venture Crowd, who we spoke to uh, a couple of years ago. And uh, so I'm, I'm really pleased to catch up and see what's happening. Um, Steve, welcome. Um, thanks for having me. Right. Let's um, start straight away then. You know, um, I've seen uh, Venture Crowd, you've been reporting that um, capital markets in retreat. Um, but despite that, and I have to admit to being a bit surprised, um, with startups struggling as well, um, that, um, you know, you, you're, you're sort of moving out into the APAC region and, um, expanding. Yeah. Um, I think, I think, um, I think you're right. So the, the, the last year has absolutely been one of the most challenging years for early stage companies who are looking for funding in the market. 2023 funding levels were materially lower than 2022 levels and way down on 2021, um, peak levels. And all of the reports that you've seen and I've seen, um, you know, from which this data is coming, um, is measuring traditional venture capital activity to the best that it can. So they're very helpful, of course, but they don't tell the whole story. And I think um, really what last year highlights more than anything else is um, the inefficiencies of the private capital markets. They tend to be inefficient in a good year. Um, but the impact of those inefficiencies are absolutely heightened in a year that's constrained by fairly major macroeconomic um, challenges on a global level. Um, if I could just explain what what we mean by that, because it'll contextualise why I think we've yeah, had. Yeah. Right. So um, one of the key problems with the private capital markets is that it's highly fragmented. There are so many different sources of potential capital, um, accelerators and individual angel investors and private syndicates and angel groups and mm-hmm. venture capital funds and family offices and corporate venture capital and it goes on, right? Mm. And within each of those groups, there are a large number of participants spread across an even larger number of locations. So fragmentation is a major issue. Then there's the issue of lack of transparency. So once you work out, if you're a founder and you're trying to raise money, um, you work out who to speak to, then you need to work out what the rules of engagement are for each group. And they'll all have their own mandate and their own processes and their own preferences. And all of that is completely understandable, of course, but it makes it very difficult for founders to navigate. Then you've got the issue of investment committee composition, which varies from place to place. So within each group, you'll have um, different people on the investment committee with different levels of experience and sector expertise. If you're lucky you'll meet somebody early on who really understands your industry, understands the problem you're trying to solve. If not, it's much more challenging. Then you've got the issue of access, right? Do you have access to all the right people? Do your advisors have access to the right people? Who are the right people anyway? Um, and then finally is this added complexity of lack of diversity and unconscious bias. And um, no, we don't talk about that very much, but we should. Because if, if a founder is an introvert or uh, sits in a minority or otherwise doesn't fit some obscure mold of what a successful founder should be, that entire process is made even harder. But at the same time, and notwithstanding all those challenges, there are millions of potential investors around the world with both the willingness and the investable capital to invest in the commercialization of high growth companies. 
but have up until now been unable to participate. So our view is that, and the data is clear, it's not the, it's not the lack of capital that's the issue, but the lack of an efficient connection between investors and founders, that is the real challenge. And that flawed connection between supply and demand of private capital, right, has restricted decision-making on important decisions like which ideas and founders should be funded and it's artificially reduced the size of the private capital markets. And all of that has made it unnecessarily harder, in my view, for founders to raise capital than it would be if market forces were operating efficiently. And that's a really long way of saying that's the problem, right? Um, What we're seeing now is that the venture capital industry, like so many industries before it, is undergoing a digital transformation. And um, it's not just retail crowdsource funding. That's just one small part of it, right? Mm -hmm. It is an important part of it, but just one small part of it. Really, um, the digitization, the biggest story here is the digitization of the private capital markets is much bigger than just retail CSF. It impacts and improves the way all investors engage with high-growth venture capital opportunities, and it brings in investors that would never have participated. All of the groups I just mentioned, accelerated, angel groups, private syndicates, family offices, they all are impacted by this digitization evolution in the private capital markets. And that's what we're focused on, and that's really what I think has driven our growth over the last 12 months and three years. So we've sort of done 100% year-on-year growth in terms of the amount of capital that we've raised over the last three years, and we don't see any signs of that stopping. There's no doubt last year was harder. Absolutely it was, and it was for everybody. Um, mm-hmm. But the growth that we're continuing to see in a tough year is telling us that this the digitization of the private capital markets has a way to go. Okay, okay. But then, you know, looking more specifically now, um, uh, I know, and I said just a minute ago that you you are um, expanding across the APAC region mm-hmm. uh, with the Singapore business, Lightworks. Um can you tell us more about what this means um, for the business and, and how you navigate the different jurisdictions? Yeah, so so if I zoom out for a minute, mm-hmm. um, if the problem we're trying to solve is the inefficiencies of the private capital market, then digitization is one part of that. The second part of that, in our view, is to be able to operate globally. Um, the first stage of our expansion into Southeast Asia, which we've been working on for years, is the first step in that direction. But we'll look beyond Southeast Asia within 12 months once this is better down, I hope. Okay. Um, so how it works is we've entered into a joint venture with um, Lightworks Ventures. They are a Singaporean-based venture studio that invests and supports uh, emerging businesses and property ventures throughout Southeast Asia. On the venture side, the group focuses on things like fintech, prop tech, health tech, and digital media. And its partners have, um, its partners include a number of very highly experienced executives across not just venture capital, but property, investment banking, marketing, and digital technology, including relevantly blockchain and the application of tokenization as it's going to apply to the private capital markets. So we sort of think that's the next phase of this digitization journey. So it's really helpful to have partners on board that get that opportunity um, and have a contribution to make to that growth. So we've got Three of the key Lightworks Ventures partners, two based in Singapore, one in Bangkok, they will come on board full-time. They'll be the first three members of the Venture Crowd's Southeast Asian executive team. Um, and we're right now we're in the process of rolling out um, our operation there as well as our platform into a number of different markets, not just Singapore, but also Malaysia, Thailand, Vietnam, Indonesia, the Philippines. Um, and that, that team is going to be supported by Venture Crowd's Australian funds management team, legal services, et cetera, et cetera. 
Um, we're in the process of applying for a CMS license. We're engaged with the MAS in Singapore. We are in the process of establishing a Singaporean-based master fund. Effectively, what we are wanting to do is replicate what we do here in Australia in Singapore for the region. And the reason for that, the intention for that is um, not just to be able to distribute Australian deal flow, ventures and property mm-hmm. into Southeast Asia, where we know there's strong demand for Australian financial services products, but also to be able to originate um, deal flow in the region. There's lots of really great stuff going on across innovation hubs across the region in a lot of those places I just mentioned. We want to be able to wrap our arms around that and to um, distribute them not just into Southeast Asian investors but into Australia as well. And over time, be able to claim that this is an Asia-Pac platform and by doing that, sort of set the foundation for for moving on to other jurisdictions. Just very briefly, we've um, uh, we've looked at um, um, digital uh, businesses in, in in APAC, but you know, uh, for Fincia members, and yeah. it does seem as though there's a very um, uh, a, 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 a possibly an even larger interest. Presumably, that's something you've you've seen as well. Is that the case? Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. I think where the Southeast Asian innovation sector, venture capital sector, technology sector, and even the regulators are on this issue of the digitization of the private capital markets, not just in a Web 2 environment, but more importantly in a Web 3 environment, their thinking is, I would say, um, certainly ahead of Australia's. Now, that's not a criticism of what's going on here. I'm actually really impressed by the engagement we've had with federal government and ASIC on these questions of tokenization. They are absolutely open to it. They understand it's a critical part of improving the private capital markets and they understand that by improving the private capital markets you improve the innovation sector so i have to say our engagement with australian regulators and stakeholders has been really strong but i think it's also fair to say places like singapore places like the uae places like the uk and germany are actually ahead of us but you know it's it's not it's not insurmountable and i think australia is well positioned to keep pushing into you know, working out what its regulatory regime needs to be to in order to facilitate the next phase of this. Well, maybe I'll ask uh, a question I was going to ask uh, at the end, but now that 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 um, thing, I'd, you know, I'd seen reports um, elsewhere from other um, businesses in in crowdfunding talking about um, uh, need for more backing. From mm-hmm. regulators, probably from the government, and um, pointing towards areas like the UK, um, is there is there a bit of a block in terms of the the amount you're allowed to raise? As as, as you know, because it's it's um, um, it, it five million currently. Is that, is that right? Yeah, That's five million. Yeah, yeah. And under a retail CSF campaign. Yeah. Yes. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Well, I mean, we talked a bit before I, I hinted at the idea that there, there were levers that support yeah. the advancement of innovation entrepreneurship, things like, um, you know, from a government perspective, from a local council perspective, all economic development organisations across the country will be looking at things like talent, technology infrastructure, culture, professional support services, legislative frameworks, the, the mental, the health and mental well-being of founding teams, and then, of course, capital, right? That's a critical part of their agenda almost on a global level wherever you go. So the discussion we're having with government at the moment is all about the one contribution we believe we can make, which is improving access to capital. And as we mentioned before, it's not just about CSF. That's that's about, um, it's more about the, the next phase of the digitization of the private capital markets. 
And I think Australia needs to be a player. And as I said, our, our government is open to this as well as ASIC. Um, and I think the, 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 the specifically, what does that mean? Specifically, it means as the digitization of the private capital markets and the venture capital sector moves from web two, which is where it is today, mm-hmm. into embracing web three tools, tokenization and blockchain, then government needs to be ready with regulatory um, um, frameworks that, you know, balance the need for uh, consumer protection whilst at the same time not stifling digital innovation. And I get that. I understand that. And everybody wants that. But um, that needs to be done with some level of urgency because, um, you know, governments across the world I mentioned Singapore and the UAE are jostling for position to become, you know, the home of the tokenization of securities, which is, um, you know, forecast to be a, a multi-trillion dollar market. So it's, I think, capital, to your point, right, what are the things that, that yeah. are holding us back perhaps? Capital and the way in which the private capital markets will digitize is a major part of that solution. And that's the contribution we're trying to make in that sort of national dialogue. Okay, well then, uh, it's, uh, it's it is really great to talk. I'll, f- I'll finish off on that. Um, you know, where you see the market heading in the in the next twelve months uh, to five years? It's uh, let's uh, be great to get that kind of macro view on on it. Um, yeah, well, I mean, we, we believe that the, the the next five years of you know human and technology evolution will be amongst the most transformative we've ever witnessed. Um, I, I don't think that's. Uh, a controversial statement, <laughs> we, yeah. Yeah. you know, with, and we don't have to go into it, but you know, there's so many, um, you know, aspects of that. Mm. Future innovation, we think, are going to be sort of critical to human well, well-being, and will we'll take us to heights that we can't even imagine today. And the rate of change will be faster than we've ever seen. So, over the next few years, to your question, um, we're going to see new vacation, new vocations, whole new industries being created, um, and that will be driven by a new breed of um, consumers and investors and certainly a brand new generation of venture capital investor that are acting with a level of consciousness that perhaps has been absent in previous periods of economic growth. What we're seeing now and we expect to continue to see is that sustainability, egalitarianism, social cohesion are elements of the investment mandate that are now being prioritised alongside financial returns. And so the work of talented founders and innovators will become more important than ever before. And there is no shortage of talented people dedicated to solving these massive wicked world problems. And that creates a huge opportunity for investors to participate in the next era of value generation. So, um, and that's why the digitization of the venture capital industry is so exciting because it is the facilitation for more people to participate in, in that, that beautiful story. Should it play out? The way I'm, 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 I'm sort of describing it. And so, what does that mean in terms of the next five years? Well, today we've got a combination of legislative reform and Web two financial services technologies that's already opened up venture capital to a to a global audience, um, and it's increased the volume of capital that's available by hundreds of millions of dollars. And that's continuing to increase every year. Um, but in the next phase, um, as the venture capital and private Capital markets embrace Web3 tools such as tokenization, distributed ledger technology. You'll get things like um, the ability for founders to be able to tokenize their securities. 
and for the tokenization of their shares to be um, recorded on an immutable blockchain. And by doing that, the reason that's important is because it ultimately facilitates what we call always on capital raising. Um, and that will allow companies to be able to plug cash flow gaps or raise bridging rounds much more flexibly or raise corporate debt much more flexibly as and when they need it, which they which is a blocker to innovation today. And the other thing it does, which is super interesting and exciting, I think, is it allows them to cash out at any time on a blockchain-based secondary trading platform. And that will give founders and employees and other shareholders flexible liquidity without the need for a merger, without the need for an acquisition, without the need for a traditional IPO. Um, and so, and so, you know, when you sort of take a moment to consider what all that means, it's, it's incredibly powerful. Mm. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and as you say, this, um, and it's, it's moving at a ever faster rate. Um, as, as we know, um, things are changing that much more quickly. Um, uh, and yeah, I look, um, I did say uh, the next twelve to months to five years, but I, I don't think we'll have to wait uh, the, the whole lot to uh, to um, have another chat to find out what's going. So, like oh. Steve, I really appreciate you speaking to us and speaking to the members. Um, thank you once again, and um, I, I look forward to uh, maybe in twelve months' time having another catch up. And thank you, Lewis. It's always a pleasure.